What's going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Murfanko Experience, Pittsburgh Baseball Now's very own podcast. Uh, we have another good episode here for you today. Uh, we got baseball back, and as you all know, uh, we talked about it on the last episode, and you guys should check that out for sure on the website. Um, but today, we have, a, like I said, a pretty damn good episode. And as always, I got my two co-hosts with me, Anthony Murph Dog Murphy, Big Bear. What's going on, baby? And uh, Nola Jeffy, the Bayou Baddie. What's going on? What's going on, boys? What's going on? I'd say that's what they call me, but really it's only Cody that calls me that. <laughs> <laughs> but we have uh, a very exciting guest to introduce to you guys today. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you'd know who it was. Uh, Altoona's very own manager, Kyron Matson. What's going on, man? How you doing? Glad to have you on. I'm good, Cody. How you guys doing, man? I appreciate you. I'm, I'm honored to be on here with you all tonight. Yeah, man, we're doing good. And like I yeah. said off the air, we're very appreciative of you coming on and answering some of uh, these burning questions that we have for you. Um, you know, I'll start with the questions here. Um, first of all, you know, maybe not a lot of people know, you know, your background, your story before you were a manager. And, uh, you know, I just want to let the people know what kind of person you really are. So you have the mic, man. I'm born and raised from uh, Anderson, South Carolina. If you don't know what it, where that is, uh, about 15 minutes from Clemson University and right in between Charlotte, North Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia on, on I-85. Um, uh, born, you know, come from a, a strong family, Christian faith-based family. Uh, youngest of four boys, uh, played all three sports all through all all the way through high school, and I went to college at Charleston my freshman year and played and you know got converted to a pitcher there, and then transferred my sophomore year to uh, East Carolina and was part of some strong uh, dynasty teams there. Got to play for Keith Care. Um, Tommy Easton and Keith uh, McMillan. And a lot of my old old teammates are now uh, coaches. And uh, Cliff Godwin is now the head coach at East Carolina. Uh, Eric Backage and Nick Snobble is at uh, University of Michigan. And um, Bryant Ward is at UCLA. Uh, Sam Nairn is a pitching coordinator for the Washington Nationals. And uh, the list goes on. I'm, I'm probably leaving off a lot of people, but come from a good lineage of where in college we, we got taught the game the right way and work ethic. And, you know, uh, Keith Clare was a master teacher. He, he, it didn't matter what position you play, he taught you the game from, from all, all different angles. And, uh, I didn't realize how much that impacted me until I started coaching. And then I, I, I was terrible in college as a player for my first three years. And I finally, had a good year for my senior year, and, and I always tell people I snuck in the back door to get in pro ball. I signed as a non-drafted free, uh, free agent in July, July of 2002 by a, a scout named Spencer Graham, who's now uh, a pro scout with the San Diego Padres, and we still are good friends. And I was in summer school, and honestly, I was planning on uh, getting ready to go to grad school, and I was – you know, scheduled to graduate the fall of 2002, and I was I was planning for what next. And I, I had a strong desire to play pro ball, but I was 
just being realistic with myself. And and he called on July the 6th, and I signed on July the 7th. And the rest was here I am now. And undrafted free agent and pitched for nine years of, of pro ball and pitched overseas. And I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> I've been been to Nicaragua, Taiwan. Uh, I uh, lived in France for two years and, you know, coasting the D off it. Four years, so it's been a lot of great experiences and a lot of growth. Now we yeah. know someone who's actually looking forward to the uh, the games in Paris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, 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 during that time, I was a manager for Team France, and we were pushing mm-hmm. really, really hard with the Olympic Committee trying to get baseball mm-hmm. uh, in Paris, and they chose breakdance. <laughs> so. <Nice. laughs> It made you feel really good to lose out to breakdancing in the Olympics, man. Like, I said, we must be really bad for them to choose breakdancing over baseball, man. I was was heartbroken, but uh, it is what it is. I I did everything I could to try to uh, push the culture and the baseball forward in France, and it was a great experience for me. Mm. Uh, You know, you kind of, you know, hinted at, sneaking in the back door there into pro ball. Um, and, you know, you've seen a lot of minor league guys throughout your career and, and you know what the grind is truly like, and it can be hard on some guys, you know, what kind of grind would you say you had in pro ball, you know, in the minors? What was it at, as hard as everyone says it is? Oh, it's real. It's hard, brother. It's mm. hard. Now, I'm, I'm going to get really raw with it on this call just to let people know how hard it is. And so being a non-drafted free agent and playing in the mileage, you don't make a lot of money. And so my, my signing bonus was $0. So I didn't get a signing bonus. And to this day, I, I I looked at a spreadsheet, a sales sheet I saw back in like 2015. They had all the coaches, all the players they have now signing bonus. And I was the only guy with a zero beside my name. Mm. How about that? Yeah. And so it was, it's, it's real. And you know, you you're not gonna get much as a non-draft free agent, but I could at least got two thousand. <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, it was tough. It was tough. Like every season, every off season, I worked two jobs to make ends meet, and I and I didn't work. I didn't miss a workout. Like I was very very adamant, and I, and I remember off season of two thousand and six, and I was still living in Greenville, North Carolina, this off season. And I was working at, uh, you remember the Wachovia Bank? Mm-hmm. I was working, I was working there from seven to three. And then I was working from, uh, at Foot Locker from four, th- four, four thirty to ten thirty, nine thirty, ten thirty, eleven thirty, uh, during the holidays. And the only time I can work out was I had to wake up at, uh, about five o'clock. And go work out. My brother was had his own gym, so he trained me. And I used to do my conditioning. It would be frost on the ground in December. And I remember I, on the soccer field of East Carolina running gashes, and, and it was frost on the ground. Mm. And that that let me know, like, when I'm on the mound, uh, nobody can take this ball away from me because I'm putting in the work, and I don't need to call somebody to tell them what I'm doing, but that's how much I loved it how much I wanted to be great, even though I was an undrafted free agent. I had a, a strong belief that I was a major league baseball player. Like, I wasn't going to sign if I didn't believe it. 
And I'm sure all these players do, and that's the grind of trying to prove yourself, especially being a guy that wasn't drafted. And, you know, um, and then when you get in season, uh, you're not making a whole lot. So and me knowing what I know now, nutrition is big, but we didn't make enough money to eat well. So we had to put junk in our bodies, and we still went out and, and did what we had to do to perform. And, you know, the long bus rides. I mean, one time when I was an independent ball, we drove from Grand Prairie, Texas, to north of Sioux City, Iowa. It was a 17-hour trip. And we got there like uh, almost noon, and the bus was at 2.30 to mm-hmm. go to the field. And I had to start that day. And let did you not, we, I had a scout from the Phillies there to watch me throw that thing because I was having a good year independent ball. This was in 2008. And, like, that, that was hard, man. And then the ballpark was small. Oh, <laughs> so Jesus. Was like, good Jesus. Lord. Like, this is, these are the challenges. But I didn't care. Like, you you do whatever you can to rise to the challenge. You don't make any excuses. And, you know, every season in July, July was, like, my my kick, my time to, like, okay, I need to start looking for uh, off-season uh, work. Like, I had my own place. I didn't live with my parents. I had my own place. I lived with some friends and, you know, I had some people that uh, opened their doors and allowed me to stay and live with them while I work out and train and in the off season. But I constantly had to find a job every off season. And even when living in Dallas for 13 years, um, I always had two jobs and, and I made sure I was ready in camp because going into spring training, I had to be in full season. I had to be in mid season shape to win a job. And even in 2005, you know, I didn't make the roster with Cleveland out of spring training and end up, you know, at 25 years old going to low A, bummed about that because I would want to go to double A. That's the age appropriate at the time. And, you know, I ended up being in low A the whole year and end up having, you know, had 25 saves, led the whole organization in saves. And then the very next year, in spring training, I went to Nicaragua and played and had like a point-something yuri. And I went home at Christmas because my arm got tired. And then went to spring training and went seven scores and got released. And that put me in a that put me in a dark mental space for a while. And I struggled. And, you know, we're in time now we talk about mental health. And I was struggling with mental health uh, during those years, trying to fight back. And 2006 was a a horrible year for me in independent ball, first year in independent ball, and felt like I didn't belong and had a good arm, and everybody asked you the, the, the magic question. Like, dude, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And that makes you, like, even more mad. Like, yeah. like I don't know why I'm here, yeah. man. Like, And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's real. Like, these guys go through uh, a very tough time. And for me, being able to – I can't just connect to the underdogs. I got to connect to the – the first rounders as well. And uh, Zach Grinky was my throwing partner in rookie ball. And he was, uh, he was the first rounder uh, that uh-huh. year with Kansas City Royals. And we was a throwing partner. So, and we hung out like off the field in rookie ball. So that it was a way for me, like now thinking back, like that's how I connect to the first rounders because I kind of asked them a lot of questions, the pressures of like off the field stuff, like, you know, what you going to do with your signing bonus and, like, <laughs> Grinky went and bought a 
Cadillac with his first sign of bonus. And I remember <laughs> I was at the dorm, calling on my phone, like, man, come outside. I said, man, what you want, man? He said, come outside. I come outside and he playing, he playing, he playing, I'm about it. So Master P is like, I'm about it. <laughs> and like, a Cadillac. Out of all the toys you can buy, you buy a Cadillac. And you know, that Gricky was just Gricky was just like that. He was different, man. And I and I appreciated about him. And he, you know, he just he just talked about the life of just being a in that space as a first rounder, but he never let the light get too big. Mm-hmm. But even those pressures got to him. You know, years later when he, you know, he he walked away from baseball. And like in 2006, when I got released and I was leaving the parking lot, when I got released from Cleveland, I saw Grinky in the parking lot. And I hadn't talked to him or seen him since I got traded from uh, Kansas City in 2003. And I did a U-turn and he was about to get in the car and get away. I said, hey, man, it's me. And I just, you know, I, I, I was in a... I was in a bad space mentally, but I didn't want him to to lose out on the future he had in pro ball. And I said, man, I know it's hard, but, dude, you got some Cy Youngs in you, man. Like, that's what I saw. And, I, and even then, a player to player, I can see what that man can become. And, you know, I ain't, I'm not a prophet, but, you know, I, I was able to see his ability, his mindset. And that was a, that's a gift, you know, and those are the things that, I, it helped me do my job, just being a trying to be a good teammate and friend in that moment. And for those, those, everybody has a different why, and you just try to connect the human being, man, because that's who that person gonna be long after baseball. And when you connect with that person, I feel like you can get the best version of that person. And, and you know, the common denominator we're there because of baseball, but I just try to do the best. I can to help every player, no matter what what their status, prospect, non-draft free agent, have the best experience possible because it is a privilege to do it. It's hard, but it's a privilege to do it because not everybody get get the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, man. <clears throat> so, so you know, first off, that's that that was awesome. It was good, good hearing all that. I love hearing the the perspectives of everything like that. So, like, you get through the the playing career and everything like that when and I, I heard you saying like overseas you did some coaching and and everything like that when did like the, the the coaching thing start like clicking for you was it always something that maybe you thought eventually down the road you might get into or did like something specific happen as as you're going along or oh uh, that that year that I, I led the uh, the organization that saves in 2005 uh, my mom, she was like, maybe it's not meant for you to make it. And maybe there's something bigger in store. And I got mad. <laughs> she's like, maybe as a coach. I said, I ain't no coach. Like, I'm I'm a big leaguer. Like, I'm trying to make it. And then, like, that same year, uh, Mr. Graham, he's like, man, have you ever thought about coaching? I was like, what are you trying to say, man? Like, I'm not done. What are you trying to say? He's like, you ever thought about coaching? I'm just saying when you finish, it's, it's something that you ever thought about. I said, no, I ain't thought about no coach. I'm too busy trying to make it to the major league. <laughs> so I took offense to it, man. Go ahead. man, hold up, man. I still got some. Yeah. I still got some some innings. On, I got something in the tank. But and and honestly, I co- I started my first coaching job was in 2007, independent ball. And it's funny. I, I ran into uh, Tom Goodwin the other day. He's uh he's a uh, coordinator with the Braves now, 
But his first coaching job was managing the independent team, and I was his pitching coach, and I was a pitcher. So I had to – that's when I understood leadership. Like, you can't go say something and not go out and do it. (laughs) Because these these guys – I mean, I had guys on on the staff that was my age, and we had a lot of young guys, but that challenged my leadership. Like, I could not go and say something that I'm not going to go out and execute on the mound myself. And it was a great experience for me. And, you know, me and Tom built a friendship from that and just picking his brain through, you know – his playing experience and, and like a, having a loose environment, which is something that I, I pride on today as a manager. And that was my first experience coach, experience coaching. And I found so much gratification in that than I did even making an all-star team when I, you know, as I played throughout my career. Like, that's when I knew, like, okay, this may be something in store for me. And then when I stopped playing uh, in 2010, I started, honestly, I was trying to get away from baseball. Baseball broke my heart. Uh, Not making it and, you know, feeling like I was getting shafted, it it broke my heart. I didn't want nothing to do with baseball. But, man, those kids, I ended up coaching the uh, select team. And those kids, they restored my heart. They restored my heart, man. And they, they, they helped me realize my gift of coaching. And, and and connecting with, with young men and, and I built relationships with, with some of those kids I still have today. And that was eleven years ago or however long, you know. And that's when I realized like, okay, uh this may be it. And even, you know, I did that for two years and and moving to France, I wasn't thinking about baseball. I just wanted to go go to go to grad school. My brother was living over there with his family, and so I wanted to explore Europe and travel. And my brother was like, hey, they got a baseball team over here. And I was like, in, in Paris? He's like, yeah. <laughs> you want me to speak to the president? I said, why not? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I, since I'm going to be in school, I need to find a way to make money while I'm in grad school. And the opportunity just landed in my lap, man. God bless me. It was like the, the, head, the manager of the club team, France has their own club team and and they have their own league and the guy was like well you're going to be here for two years in grad school and I'm going back to the U.S. and um, and I ended up becoming the manager of that club team and you know ended up becoming part of the assistant coach on the, the French national team and Eric Gagne was the manager and then in 2016 I became the manager and the first African-American to manage the French national team. So, you know, that, that's I feel like that's just ordered steps by God. And, and I was fortunate enough to just walk walk into it and didn't know where I was going. And, and in, ended up getting an opportunity with Pirates when I was still living in France. Like I, like I did my interview, I was walking down the street in Paris on the phone uh, <laughs> doing an interview with the Pirates and got the job. So, <laughs> It's wild. It's, it's my, I'm unorthodox. And then in 2016, I was a hitting coach in GCL. So, and people like, man, I didn't know you was a pitcher. I was like, dude, I just never turned off that hitter, hitting, hitting my mindset or just the game. I, I love the game. I'm a student. I mean, I, I, I know, I know you were in Paris talking to the Pirates. So, were you, were you eating escargot as you were talking to a man, or what, what was going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> what's that? 
That's uh, the snails. They got the French are famous man, for the snails. I, I don't know what that, that's a myth, man, because I've never seen them eat no snails over there. <laughs> uh, French, French eat really good. Matter yeah. In fact, French cheese is, is, I stayed away from it for the whole time I lived over there. And I finally tried it like a month before I moved back to the States and I was mad because it's the worst smell ever, but that's the best cheese in the world, man. Like, I, man, I cheated myself for some years. Like, man, I ain't trying to eat that. But now it, I eat some really good food over in France, man. They eat good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I know last time we talked in, in 2020, uh, you know, you discussed – you know, sitting in the stadium in France, just sitting at like a round table with your guys and just vibing, you know, could, could you speak on that a little bit uh, for the people who don't know, like those times in France, just connecting with your players and listening to the music and everything that goes with that. Yeah. We just, we, we created a really good culture there. I mean, we had 13 different nationalities on nationalities on the team and, you know, my first year, you know, it was, it was, it was, I was drinking from a fire hose, like trying to, I feel like the dumbest person in the world, not understanding French and trying to communicate. Then, I mean, it made me a better coach because I couldn't talk a lot. Yeah. So I had to put drills and, and be able to, to show and explain uh, through the drill work, you know, and, and I, I was able to build connection with guys. And I mean, we had a, a good amount that spoke English, but my second year, man, we used to, after practice, we used to hang out for like an hour and just listen to music and just connect. Them. And, you know, and, and those guys and the way the French league work, most of those guys are employed. Like they don't play baseball for a living. It's kind of, it's competitive and each team can have full form players. And most of the time they get ex college players or ex pro players playing the league. Mm. It depends on the, the, the buy-in, the manager, or whoever's uh, recruiting for that club team can bring in. And um, so, you know, I knew I had to make practice fun because uh, eight-hour shift and you want to go, and, and it wasn't like the, the 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 field that we played at wasn't in the middle of Paris. Like, it was on the, on the suburb, like outskirts. Mm. So you had to really catch a train to get out there, or if you had a car, it was, uh, easier, but by train it took it took at least thirty minutes, and I knew I had to 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 make an environment that that was was healthy and with guys want to come and show up, yeah. you know, because it wasn't no it wasn't no contract where I have to go to practice. Like I had the, the interest of how I can get them to buy in and what we're doing, and it it was incredible, man. I, I was I was floored away of the connection we built. Like, I think I can write a book on it. Like it was, it was all organic, with nothing forced, and it was beautiful. And I still keep up with those guys, man. Like one of my, uh, one of the players that played for me, he's my agent. He was sending me a list of his a team because his son is a uh, going to a uh, MLB Europe camp, and he had like seven players that he's been coaching. Got invited to that camp, and he said, "Hey, they coming." They waiting on you, and I, I, was, I thought that was awesome, man. That's the culture that's still living to this day. Well, and then uh, I guess one question I want to ask to, uh, I guess maybe with all these stories of your uh, experiences, uh, influences, talking about like the work ethic, what you went through being an undrafted free agent. Um, the question I was going to ask: so essentially, if you were to like step outside yourself through your coaching, 
how would you uh, say that you would per like to be perceived? Like, say, if we were to ask, like, Nick Gonzalez, you know, what kind of guy, what kind of coach is he? And, like, are you trying to put forth more as, like, like a father figure type of coach? Like the, the buddy kind of coach where guys are like, man, I'd love to have a beer with him. Oh, this, I hope you don't forget to serve. He's a servant. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do. I, I serve. I serve him staff. I serve those players. Whatever they need, I'm going to do the best I can to provide that for them. And that, that's my that's why I want to be known because in a servant, it, it's, he cares. He cares and he loves he love the people that he's, he's, he's working for. And I always feel like once I had an opportunity and blessed with the chance to coach a guy, I'm, I'm his coach for, for life. Like mm -hmm. if he called me 10 years later and want advice on anything, life or whatever, I'm going to make time for him. And that's, that's to me, that's, that's what I want to be known for. This guy, he just, he's a servant. He has a servant heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I know some of the guys I've talked to that you've coached, you know, they've had nothing but great things to say about you. Uh, you and Miguel Perez are the two coaches that always have rave reviews from players. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it's always nice to hear, uh, you know, good things. And I'm glad that, you know, we've connected again. Uh, Big Bear, I see you uh, over there brewing. What what kind of questions you got? So don't brought up uh, Nick Gonzalez briefly and all that. And like I've seen over the last couple of days, just like between Peguero and Gonzalez, it looks like they have a pretty good like relationship and all that. It probably looks like kind of maybe it extends off the field kind of stuff. Can you not necessarily a story, but just kind of highlight like what you've seen between those two and maybe how important or how like you, you know, you, you had an amazing story about like the grind of baseball and all, all that kind of stuff, how important it, ha uh, it is not just for like them too, but maybe for like the locker room itself, like other players seeing how close they are in the bond and everything like that, that they might have. Uh, first, I want to give a big shout out to Miguel Perez. That's my, that's my brother from another mother. Like we we <laughs> we feed off each other, man. We 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 learn a lot from each other, man. That's an awesome dude. So I, I'm not shocked players feel that way about him because he's really good at what he does and he cares and he give it he gives his his all to those guys. Uh, Nick and Peggy, the best story to, to sum up those guys and their relationship. One, they both are opposite, but they balance each other out. But um, we were we were in Hudson Valley, and the day before it was last next to the last game of the season, and you know we 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 did a lot of our work. We guys hitting the cages, and we would go out for optional defense. And that day, Nick and and Peggy wanted to come out, so Blake took them out, and. I was out, joined him, and uh, Blake, I mean, Blake was hitting them ground balls, and Peggy and Nick were just out there, like, just talking about, like, moments or simulating situations in a game, like, if I'm here, I'm going to do this, and if you if you here, I'm going to do this, like, talking about how they're going to feed each other at second base, man. This is second to the last day of the season. Like, that's special, brother. And I said, and I told Blake, we we talked about it. I said, man, look at those. I said, look at those big league wins right there. Look at those, look at those playoff wins right there. Look at those possibilities of, of 
getting in the playoffs and possibly have a chance to win a World Series. That's what that is right there. Like, they'll see it later, but we saw it last starting last year, man. Like, that's that's special. You can't teach that. Yeah. You can't teach that, man. That was like, incredible. <laughs> yeah. How much do you think that helps, like, morale in the locker room, seeing two, two people, and especially, like, two people that are, like, very highly regarded around the baseball world as well, well putting that, in that kind of work and, and stuff like that with that. They're, they're, the, the clubhouse, they don't look at them like that. Like, they all are just dudes. Like, they they have a strong brotherhood in that in that group, man. Like, it's real. And, like, mm-hmm. uh, even I was, my uh, Chris Truby, he's our first year with us, and he, he was looking at this group the other day, and he's like, dudes, it's real. Like they care about each other, and like it's it's that's just what that's that's the norm. And like like I say, man, like I know power fans, y'all y'all been frustrated, and you have a right to be. But I always say, God will bless you double for your trouble. And <laughs> you about to see some really good baseball, man. Like these dudes are hungry, and yeah, I'm not saying it from a bias. I'm I took I took a step back. And try to remove any emotion, any emotion I have with this group, but they it's it's something that you can't you can't make up. Like it's it's a strong brotherhood, man. Like it's it's real. Yeah, um, a lot of people are gonna be glad to hear that. We we've been waiting. I know. And <laughs> Pittsburgh, I look at I, I I look at the Steelers and I see all those flags, and I'm just like, man, in due time, man. It's mm-hmm. going to be across the street, PNC Park. And that's what we envisualize as an organization. Like, we're not we, – we ain't just talking about it. Like, we're we, we doing everything we can to live it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, in the minors, everyone discusses that it's not necessarily just about winning. It's about development. Uh, development is always the key in the minors. But your team – Greensboro last year and Bradenton last year made it to the playoffs and you know it's it's playoffs in the minors so maybe not people are paying attention to that but how important is it for these guys not only to get extra at-bats and innings but just from a morale standpoint to see hey we made it to the playoffs here we can make it to the playoffs anywhere type of mentality when people get married they say to mr and mrs two names together and then say the last name like that's how development winning goes together like you can't it's not one or the other like it's right. it's married together yeah uh, winning this part it's a muscle like you have to build that muscle like i, I don't believe you just be in toxic environments and just lose and just Forgo winning to think you're just going to turn on like a light, light switch in the big leagues. Yeah. I've never been, I've never spent a day in the big leagues yet, but I know it's very hard to win a major league game. And like, if you're not putting those reps in as you come up through the system, then I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. And for me, you cannot forego something that a player is individually working on. You can't risk that and forego it for a win. Like we can't. That's me. If I do that, I'm being selfish. Yeah. But I don't. I don't have that lens. Like I feel like I'd rather push that guy to that development in that winning moment, so we can have the best of both worlds. Like it's just you got to know what that player is is working with and what he's trying to accomplish, and 
when he's out there trying to do it for himself and but his teammates, that's different. Hmm. That's different. National pundits have spoke on the Pirates revamp, uh, specifically with Ben Charrington coming in and kind of revamping the system in terms of development. You know, the previous regime, people kind of looked at it as a cookie cutter approach. You know, you make a player a certain way. Now it's more individualized. Uh, have you seen that personally? And, and, you know, do you use that philosophy yourself that each player needs that personal uh, attention and not just that cookie cutter approach? Well, I, I mean, the, the old regime did have individual plans. Like, I'm, I see that all the time, like cookie cut. No, I, I, I disagree. And I've been here, this is my eighth year. Mm-hmm. It, I just feel like we found different ways to individualize mm-hmm. the plans. But they, they, they had individual plans. Like we didn't just say, "Hey, you need to throw like him, and you need to swing like him." I, I, we didn't, we didn't go about it that way. Mm-hmm. We just found more efficient ways to to individualize the plans, and we've we've grown in the tools that we use, and you know we brought in different mindsets, and we found new ways to to develop individual plans. But it's always, it, it was never cookie cut like i, I let me yeah. it up you know and yeah we just we just found different ways to individual plans even more and always and be honest with you both sides are trying to get the best out of the player it's just two different ways to get there that's all mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i'm just referencing you know what national pundits have spoke on the pirates uh and i just wanted to get your your feelings on that um, <clears throat> no, yeah, I, I just want to clear it up. I no, yeah. Heard it. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, to me, this, this, I'm going to tell the truth. And that, that was, that's what it was. Like, it was individualized plans then. It's just, they, we found different ways to do it. And, and yeah. we used more tools so we can, we can peel back the layers and peel back the onion even more. Life is like an onion. Shrek said it himself. It's yeah, a good way to go, man. <laughs> Sometimes it makes you cry, but you got to wipe the tears and keep going. That's it, man. That's it. I love that. I love that. Right. So one one guy I definitely wanted to talk about, too, um, was Quinn Priester. Last year, first season, uh, first, you know, first full season on there. Um I, I don't personally like to read too much into like the national thing, and all that, but he like prospects status in the end of the day, doesn't really matter as long as you're going out and, and doing your thing, but he did get hit by a lot of the, the national media things because of last year hitter friendly ballpark, which I do have a question about that um, here a second, but overall good first year pitch was young for, for the level. Can you kind of give like your, like overall impressions, Quinn as a whole from last year and, and kind of like an outlook for him going forward? Well, if they game online, I'm giving the ball. Like that dude is a he's a he's a awesome, awesome young man. Like he he's 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 great in the clubhouse. He's professional by he go the way he go about his business. And he wants to be great. It ain't just talk, it's it's lived out every day. Like he Priestley was the youngest in the league, yes, experience-wise, but as far as having a, a, a plan and, and a regimen and learning and growing, it's like he was 
30 years old. Like that dude is he gonna he's special, man. Like it's it's <laughs> the future is very bright and I, I can go on and on. But and he he's realistic with himself. Like he don't he don't just go off what, what people say or the media say. Like he gonna be hard on himself more than anybody. And sometimes we have to say, Hey man, give yourself some grace. You know, this game is hard and you you putting forth effort. And you know, he went through some growing pains last year, but I told him, I said, Hey man, it may not look like it, but you're growing. You're getting better. You're growing. And it's going, you're going to see it. And, and you know, he, he took off that second half and he, he you know, he continued to keep, keep growing and keep building. Man. And he went into the off season with the same mindset. He came in and he continued to evolve. Like he'll win a Cy Young and, and still, you know, He'd be the type of guy still looking for a way to to grow and get better. Like he ain't, he not gonna put it in cruise control. That's just who he is and the mindset he has. And to me, those guys are always gonna be successful, man. And this gonna be successful, and he wants it, and he cares. He cares. Like it don't matter if he on the mound or not. He he do not like losing, and he wants to win every game. Like he's the ultimate competitor, and that's awesome. That's what you want. I remember a conversation with Quinn uh, back in 2020, I'm pretty sure. And we, we discussed that winning mentality that he had. And, you know, he referenced he could be grilling steaks. And if the steak is just slightly burnt, he's going to be pissed off at himself and say, I should have made that steak better. Like he, yeah. he takes that mentality even in life, not just baseball. Yeah. So his mindset is constantly in that. Uh, state of mind and it's just incredible to see from a young kid this guy was driving like an hour to go train in chicago like for a whole off season man like he he's willing to do whatever he can to get to get to improve him, himself in this game and he goes about it the right way and like mm-hmm. he don't just say oh i'm talented i'm i figured it out no he, he really works at his craft man and that's that's you can't teach some of that, man. You just can't. No. Like he, he just have that that it factor, like that work ethic. He has the the talent. He has everything, man. It's just it's guys limit for him. It's funny that you say, like you know, with the game on the line, that like you want to give the the ball to him. I remember two specific moments, like going back and watching uh, as much as I could on him last year. One was obviously the the immaculate ending, throwing the nine, you know, three shot guys thing. But I think from everything I've heard and everything you said here, maybe something more indicative, the kind of pitcher, the kind of player that he is, is he had that start against uh, Winston-Salem where he, the first three runners got on base and he fought through and got out of the inning there. Would you say that's more who Quinn is as a pitcher as opposed to like, well, we, we all know he's talented. So we all, all know he's capable of that kind of stuff with the immaculate inning, but his mentality on the mound is more described by the Winston Salem thing, getting out of the inning without giving a run up. Well, if you, if you ask him, he'd be pissed off that he had his bases loaded. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much what he did after, like why I put myself in that situation, and yeah. that's that's the part that's that's why he separated himself from from many. Um, but you know, even then, he's still trying to improve something, and. Like I say, he'd be focused on those. Why I put myself in that situation, and he, you know, 
he, he reached deep and, and found a way to get out of it. And it was lights out from there, brother. <laughs> it was, oh, yeah. yeah it it was, bulldog like, mentality. Yes, yeah. it was fun to watch. And you could see the, the – watch that game and see the, the facial expression coming off the mound. Like, he's, he, he's what you want. Like, and when we lost game four in the championship series, he came to my office and said, hey, I'm going to be in the bullpen tomorrow with my cleats on. <laughs> you need me. I was like, dude. I said, man. I, I said, I, I got a, I got a child to feed. If I put you in that game, I'm gonna be looking for a child. <laughs> it's like he watched, he watched too much uh, Bumgarner. No, he just do it. I mean, he, he, he wasn't. I mean, it's that's the part of development where we have to, you know, it's great. Yes, we want to win a title mm-hmm. in Greensboro, but we have to think about that his future in that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, if this is major leagues, yes, yeah. we, we, let's go. You know, <laughs> but that's. But I told him, I said, don't turn that off. Like, don't ever turn that off. Like, keep that mm-hmm. mindset because it's going to be a day in your career where you, it may come to that. Don't keep going to that manager's office. And say, I want the ball. Yeah, and like that. And then, like Hop looked at me and just smiles. Like, you ain't getting it. <laughs> 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 well, I'll still be down there with my cleats on. <laughs> well, and then uh, I'm wondering to uh, get your take on something. So uh, a, a couple of times now you talked about seeing something special, even like when you talk about Granky and like these special work ethics and certain players. Um, as an, Using as an example, when we talk about a player that played for you, Matt Frazier, last year who just took off and had a great year. Are there any specific – uh, hitter, pitcher, and or that you foresee might have that special year this year and might take that step forward? Mm, um, it's hard to say right now, but I, wanna, I, don't, I don't know what, what feed is going to go off or put pressure on people. But I mean, you could just say Blake Sable. I mean. <laughs> Blake Sable, that's the thing. Blake, Blake Sable been balling, man. He, he was hitting in the middle of our lineup, like. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I will say, he'll be a guy that people gonna finally, res- you know, give him the respect because he'll do it at at a higher level because it, it, it's real. Who was at yeah. Atlanta last week and he hit a ball off the batter's eye like a bullet? <laughs> Everybody like this. I'm like, yeah, it's real. Like this dude can hit. Like he can hit, and that's a name that he and he has a versatility to play in the outfield and. We may give him some looks at first, and he catches like mm-hmm. that's special. Like you don't know many guys can do that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think a guy that's gonna gonna really have a, a monster year is Matt Gorski. I, I really believe that he's put in a lot of work. Um, you know, he learned a lot, had some growing pains last year, and learned a lot, and took it into the fall and came into the camp, and he's having a, a really good camp, and and it's been it's consistent. You know, it's not like he just okay. He's just having some good moments, but it's it's con it's consistent, and I, I really think the man gonna have a really good year. I, I really do. I believe that. So yeah, he, he seems like someone that's got some loud tools and just needs to really. Uh, we just we just trying click. to unlock, we just trying to unlock it where he can be consistent, and it's there. Yeah, yeah. It, it's there. We got a lot of dudes with, <laughs> with some special tools, man. We just trying to unlock it. And, mm-hmm. There's different ways to approach it, but we, we try to do the best we can as an organization to unlock what's in there. Yeah. There there's there's three cats that I, I wanted to touch on. Uh 
one, Bear Bellamy, two, Jared Triolo, and three, Lolo Sanchez. Those guys kind of, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to say kind of came out of nowhere, but someone like Jared Triolo kind of just clicked just like that for everybody. I mean, he kind of took off in Greensboro. So can, can you just speak on those guys as a whole and like, besides just ballers? Cause I know they are. <laughs> Jared Triolo is real. Like I even said it with, uh, I did a, I did a segment last, um, um, with this, I forgot the TV station that's up in Pittsburgh, and I talked about Jerry. And I said, This dude got gold glove, it's gold glove written all over. I didn't know he's gonna win the award that year, but yeah, I, I get to watch it every day. And just the impact he made, just the approach, you know, in and with the bat, and just a just a high baseball IQ guy. and Jared is the type of player you probably can put him anywhere on the field defensively and he can get it done. And he's very smart on the bases. He's fast. He can move. Uh, he, he's just a very good baseball player. Uh, Lolo. Lolo is a guy that kind of flew on the radar going into last year and put himself back on the map. Like, he's still young and he can do a lot of good things, man. Like, he's just mm-hmm. a very good baseball I, I remember looking at the like roster. He's in game. Huh? I, I remember looking at the roster last year and I was like, oh, man. Lolo's in Greensboro, but at the same time, I was like, wait, man, he's only 22. I'm like, I feel like he's been in the, on the, uh, system forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. I I just like forgot how young he still is. Yeah. He's, and he started, you know, tapping into some, some, uh, impact in the barrel. Mm -hmm. And still, he's always been a, a, a havoc on the bases, but like Lolo knows the game, like he understands the game and, He's an awesome clubhouse. He's a leader in that clubhouse. And we call him Captain because, like, we call him Nelson Cruz of, of our team. Like, he, he, he had, when he speaks, people listen. And he's an awesome dude. And he works his tail off, man. Like, he, mm. he, he come ready to work. And it's not just talent, but the work ethic is, is real. And Bear Bellamy, man, like, he just get out. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> He get he get out, man, and he's he's he go about it like it's game seven of the World Series, and I I was I had him in nineteen in Bristol, man, and it was the same way then, and it was the same way in the ball league, it was the same way throughout last season. Last year he had some aha moments where he was he was able to discover some grips with forty on his on the slider and get a little bit more depth to it and. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he he's like, oh, I'm coming now. Like he it's almost like he done gave me another another weapon that I mm-hmm. that I can use and and like he hadn't and every time I was like Barry, how you doing? I'm good, man. Like <laughs> every game every game like Barry is like a football player playing baseball. Like every game, like and hey, we we play hundred and forty something, he's like, All right, let's get it, y'all. Like <laughs> if he playing or not, like he's he he is an ultimate competitor and He's one of those guys you just gonna continue to get out. So he's gonna he's gonna keep getting out until you find himself in the big leagues, and that's what he believes in. Yeah, I mean his thanks to Miguel Yahore for you know dropping out of the Arizona Fall League, and he got kind of inserted. Um, you know, and you were at the fall league. So what kind of mentality did he have going into the fall? Like, was it just like let's go, man? This is another opportunity, or was he kind of like even keeled about it? No, it was the same way. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we were he was trying to win, and we all were trying to win. We starting off zero and five, and it was like that's all right. We don't we got this. And like I remember, uh, it was a day lined up with Burroughs, uh, Contreras, Burroughs, Majeski, and Barrett through that day. He said, "Well, look like we got a dub in the waiting today. Like <laughs> a lot of hoppers on the mound today, so I, I smell a victory. Let's get the first one." And I think we went, we won that game. <laughs> so like, uh, actually, I, I do remember that because we kept, uh, I think even like on Pirates Prospects, uh, the website, we were like, is anybody pitching today? No. Is anybody in today? No. Anybody today? And then finally it was just that, that one game was just boom, 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 boom. Now they started and then we ended up, you know, we almost went to the championship game out there. Like it's, these yeah, I dudes, think it was a technicality, I think, right? Or like a run differential or something? One, one run differential, man. One Two, run. man. That's, that's brutal. Man. One yeah. run. Dude, let me give you this story. So uh this is the second, second the the third before the last game. We playing the team that we in the hunt for in first place. And Bay was up. Bay smokes a ball in the gap. And the guy gets a hesitant bad read at first base. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. I saw it. I was coaching there. I saw it. I was like, dude, you got to score because Bay ain't stopping. It's just a triple. And <laughs> <laughs> the play, he was out. So let's say the whole scenario played out, and if he if he would have been safe, we tied. We have a, we tied with the run difference, but the overall run difference, we we blew everybody out the park in that. Mm. And so that's like my message, because uh, I'm doing outfield and base running uh, coordinator, and that's my message in base running. Like, is you never know there how important that run is. And for that game or for that season, mm-hmm. like every run matters. Run base runners are precious, and we want to we want to do everything we can to to put ourselves in position to score. And I'm not saying that young man wasn't, but it's just hey man, we gotta get we gotta know that where that defense is and make a good read off that bat. So um, you talk about there, talk a little bit about the pitching. I did mention about like uh, Greensboro, the very um a known hitter friendly ballpark. <laughs> Uh, you could see it in a lot of the the road. Do you, um, what kind of what kind of challenges or anything like that do you come across working with like the the pitching staff and like that? Where and when does it come like a a mental thing with with them? You know, kind of preparing with it, knowing that like, I mean, you even mentioned it too. Like when you went to that indie game and you walked in there, knowing that it was it, it was a short uh, a small field and, and and stuff like that. Like how how do you do you feel like your your past with that like helps you? with that or or like what what goes into that preparing that with them well it, it, to me i thought it was a great challenge like and like if you learn how to put, pitch in a friendly ballpark you're gonna be all right and we embrace the challenge we, they got gunshot like <laughs> routine fly balls it's gone everybody looking at each other in the dugout with the gas face like come on man <laughs> and you know, sometimes a routine fly ball, we like gunshot, like somebody shot a gun, like, bah, you see everybody duck, like, uh-oh. And, <laughs> you know, and then the, it didn't play as small as we, you know, we got in the summertime. But it was a great challenge for for those guys, and they didn't they didn't use it as an excuse. They really didn't. And it's like, nah, I just got to make better, better pitches. And it was frustrating at the beginning, but, you know, the organization is, is smart to know, like, the numbers might be ballooned because of that that aspect, but we refuse to make an excuse. Like, let's get better. Mm. You know, make better pitches. And that, and to me, 
that's the best approach. Forty did a great job of not letting them use that as excuse, and they they took ownership of. I got to make a better pitch, and they grew. They grew a ton with that mindset. Yeah, and you know you've mentioned Ford a couple times now. Uh, you know what kind of relationship did he have with those guys in the dugout? You know what was kind of his philosophy with everybody? Dude, he was just want to teach him how to pitch, like mm. this art of pitching. You know, I sometimes I think in, in in our industry we can get so caught up in stuff and movement, but we got to know how to pitch, man. Like. It, <laughs> It, it, it's, it's we still got the pitch got the ball in their hands so we got to learn how to pitch and he we, we had really good conversation with those guys in between their starts and the dugout like I think one of the best development tools last year was taking away the backboard because we <laughs> ended up having pitch on the ball duty and, and on the bat duty and we just had really good conversation with those guys about what's going on in the game and what you what you gonna throw right here like this it was many teach points and 40, they loved him, man. Like he, he taught them the art of pitching. He's like, they got the stuff. Let's teach them how to use the weapons they had, you know? And, and that was the perfect, perfect blend, man. And those guys grew a lot because of, they learned how to pitch, you know, they learned how to read swings. They learned, they learned to see what the game was telling them. Good to hear, man. I mean, you, you do, I have heard a lot of good things about Ford, but I'm glad you kind of clarified, um, you know, what he was about, really. No, he poured into all those guys. Like, it didn't matter who you were. He's going to give you everything you got every day. And, and those that, he has a strong relationship with those guys because he was he was adamant about helping them get better. And he, 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 he didn't go about it forcefully. He just created good relationships with him and had conversations. And sometimes the conversations were tough. Like, you thought that's, that was a good start? No, let's, let's go. I'm going to show you on this video. Like, let's yeah. be real about our evaluation of ourselves so we can grow. And that's something mm-hmm. we always we talk about as an organization. But as, in that clubhouse, like, the best way to get better is you got to be honest with yourself, man. <laughs> you can't do a lot of Like, it's just ain't no – you can't do it. You got to be honest. You got to look yourself in the eye and, and, and have a real evaluation with yourself. And in that clubhouse, we're going to speak truth. And, you know, and we're going to love you through it. We're not going to speak truth to be harsh. We're going to we speak because we care and we want everybody to, to be successful, yeah. no matter who. And when you come through that clubhouse, we want to impact you in a mighty way. Like, if you, if you even. Even when people come in town that's roving through the organization, we want to impact them. Like, those guys, they got it. They understood it. And they're in for a treat. I guess uh, one thing I I wanted to ask to kind of expand on as you're talking about the relationships, um, often we talk about um, what it's like for the players and the grind going through the minors. As you you know, you had your own personal story about everything you went through. was wondering now from the perspective as a coach, what's it like for you when you have a bunch of players coming in, going out, like again, you know, bringing Matt Frazier again, when he got promoted, you got other players getting promoted up. Uh, I mean, Herman got uh, sent down at one point. There's a lot of like moving parts with being a minor league coach. I mean, for me, it's a lot of moving parts, but the, 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 the culture and the environment of the clubhouse got to remain the same, the same like a house. Uh, standing there. House gonna have different weathers. Like you're gonna have stormy weather, you're gonna have sun, you're gonna have 
a stream wind, you're going to have it all. You got to be able to sustain all the different weathers and the culture mm-hmm. in the clubhouse got to remain constant and be strong. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, we try to build and we, we sustain it. And, you know, when people come in, they're going to, they're going to see it. They're going to feel it. And, and who want to go opposite when everybody else is going uh, mm-hmm. one direction. And that's how you keep it rolling because it's, and when it's real, it, it don't die. When it's fake, it'll die out quick. Mm-hmm. You know, when one person leave, and you know, it's a it's a transitional period. You know, like one thing that we that, that's like a taboo in baseball, but when players get moved up, it's some that we're happy, or somebody gets sent down, we're we're, we're not happy, but it's it's like sadness. Like mm-hmm. you miss that person, you've been around them, and they impact your team and. And you know, as men, we we don't talk about that stuff. But you miss you miss that brother. You, yeah, you know, we miss... yeah, because uh, like Omar Cruz and Mago got I think sent up pretty quickly at the beginning of the year. Yeah, like it, it's it's real. Like you miss that person. Like that's a transitional period, you know. And that, that's men don't normally speak about it because they think it's not macho. But no, man, I'm a real man. Like oh, you miss those. You miss that that player to get moved up, and mm-hmm. you know, and and. And you embrace the person that's coming in. Like you just, you just continue to create new relationships, and and some guys that you you kind of know who they are from camps and spring training. You just take a deep dive and try to learn who they are. Uh, last question I had for you. Uh, I'm sure Murph and Nola have some more. Um, it kind of seemed like people stopped talking about Tanaj Thomas as much as they did uh, previously. Uh, you know, people kind of move towards Quinn Priesters and things like that. But I still paid attention to Tanaj, and he seemed like he had a very up and down year. And I'm not sure if that's a mental thing or if that's a mechanical thing. You know, could you just speak on, you know, the triumphs and struggles that Tanaj kind of faced uh, in 21? I mean, he went through what no, was everybody else go through, growing pains, man. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's still young as a pitcher. Like, he just started pitching what like four, four years, years ago <laughs> you know and you know that's what everybody else's expectations are and whatever they say but tonight hadn't changed tonight mm-hmm. still have high expectations on himself as an organization we still believe in Todd tonight and that's why he's a non-roster invite in big league camp like yeah like ain't nothing changed he's still working he's still uh he's still improving and he's still fine-tuning everything and uh, it, it's it's a good arm and it's real and mm-hmm. and you know he's he's still he's young as well and that's not a, a not a blanket statement but it's like he 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 continue to to learn how to pitch and and learn how to use his weapons yeah but we got to realize we had a, a guy that's just not been pitching long do you have 2019 do you have yeah. 2020 like mm-hmm. 2020 is real man. Mm-hmm. Like, we go back to baseball in 21, and it's like people got amnesia all of a sudden. Like, no, man, we missed a whole year of innings. Mm-hmm. And for, for the guy like Tanaj, that's huge, man. That's yeah. huge. Like, he, Especially coming off the year, he was coming off of. Yeah, like, he, he that, that was a disruption in, in his development, and it's real. But even last year, man, like, he went through he went through struggles, but he still wasn't getting knocked around the ballpark. Like no. he, he just, you know, he, he went through some growing pains and uh and for me, he, he really pitched good down the stretch. 
Like yeah. he once he yeah. had that, that shutdown period, he really pitched well down the stretch. Yeah. Like he he did. And like it was and that for me, he just continued to build on that. I must say that when he hit 100 miles per hour the first time last year, I I have to take some credit because I told him to throw one for me. And after I said that, he hit 100. So you're welcome, Kyron. You're welcome, man. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it's over the play, I don't care how how fast it is. (laughs) (laughs) If it get an out, it records an out. That's it, man. That's it. Absolutely. And I guess – but then they, and that's 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 the Nas mindset. He's like, I'm just trying to get out, and if, yeah. if it's hard, if it's, if it's high velo, great. But I, I, we're trying to get out. Mm-hmm. So I, the only thing really left I have to say is just like how appreciative I am for you coming on here, man. I tell Cody all the time that like I, I think one of the and you talked a little bit about like mental mental health and everything like that. I I, I grew up with a lot of anxiety and, and and stuff like that. Talking to people isn't hasn't always been the easiest thing for me and stuff like that. But getting to come on here and especially sharing, you know, cause it's something that we all love the game of the game of baseball and getting to hear the stories of the people, you know, like this is, is, is truly awesome. And I, I truly appreciate your time coming in to, yeah. to discuss everything with us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like that's why I, I like to be vulnerable because, you know, anxiety is real and baseball, the way, you know, People talk bad about you when you're not playing performing at a high level and at the big league mm-hmm. level prospects. And baseball can really challenge the way you see yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys put they 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 can put their identity in their performance, and that's not that's not healthy. And we try to do the best we can to to get out in front of that and and really care about the man because that's real, man. That's real, mm-hmm. and as as and. On a side note, like, we don't have to go through nothing by ourselves, man. Like, as men, we need to talk. We need to talk yep. and, and and share our struggles with each other because we all go through it. Ain't nobody – nobody's out there that walked through life with no struggles. Yep. I don't care who you are, where you been, everybody deal with struggles. Mm-hmm. And as men, especially in the environment we're in, let's lean on each other, man. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to lean on each other and and and, and – that's why it's real. Just respect and love the, your brother, man. That's, that's why the Bible says it's real. And when it's when you're in that environment, man, man, can we can overcome and get through some things together? Because we can't do it by himself. I never seen a guy drive in a hundred runs on a hundred home runs. Never. Yeah. So you can't play this game solo. Yep. You can't. And in the game of life is the same way. You cannot isolate yourself and think you're gonna be all right. We are built to lean on and love people. So why Absolutely. isolate yourself? I don't care how much people get on your nerves. Okay. They keep, <laughs> that means you got heartbeat. They need you. They got your stress level up. They need, you need that sometimes, you know, <laughs> but it, it's real. And anybody out there struggling with, with mental health, man, get help, man. You're not by yourself. You'll be amazed. And, and for me, it's this lean on the Lord. If you don't know him, read, read about it. And, and you don't know, anxiety is real, but uh, I know I as starting starting pitching, I had when I was a starter, I had anxiety real high every time I had to start. Like it was crazy. And what helped me? I used to clean. I used to clean my apartment. Mm-hmm. Like my roommates used to joke with me, like, "Man, 
we know we're gonna come back to a real clean house today, but that helped me calm down. Yeah. Like it, it was it, like everybody go through different to try to calm themselves down, but it, it was nerves, but it was nerves on a whole nother level. But when I was a reliever, I never felt it. So it was weird. But, and that's why I always make sure these dudes, they come in a clubhouse, they got a, a good environment because, it, you know, you don't know what they're going through off the field. And you just want to be able to be there for them, whatever it is, you know, and help them fight through it and then fight through the game. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I think people take uh, for granted that these people are actually people. They're not just players. They're people. And they have emotions just like us. And, you know, it's it's eye-opening when you actually look at it like that. You know, yeah, they had a bad start or a bad game, but what really happened beforehand that you don't know what people go through. And, you know, it's it's sad that like you the, still have that environment sometimes. Hey, you know, I always say you could talk about the performance, but don't talk about the character of the player. Exactly. You know, like, that's far. And fans, they can go too far. And that, to me, like I always say, okay, whatever your job is, everybody go there and help with you and yeah. see what you better handle. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go to your <laughs> job and, and – let me just scream at you and call you all kinds of names while you drive a UPS truck and see where you're not wrecked. <laughs> you know, like, dude, like it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. And and like, I don't think people think about it. You know, it's entertainment. It's cool. But like I say, say something about the performance. Don't say nothing about the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's going so, too I, far. And I know a lot of people yeah. like to quick trigger to the head case comment. And it's just like, come on. Like, it, there's no need for that. No, nah, man. Yeah. Uh, and that's to me just just show respect that's all show respect and the things that these players hear man people mm-hmm. wish we had a recorder and it gets nasty man and you know mm-hmm. they do a great job of blocking it out mm-hmm. and me as a as a manager I, I when they cross that line I, I take that look and I don't stop I stare them until they feel uncomfortable because <laughs> hey man I went too far like yeah. I'm gonna protect the players and, and the staff yeah. And I'm gonna protect. I'm gonna protect players on the other team. Like, no, you just don't go out of bounds. Like, you know, Frazier had a moment last year in Greenville, South Carolina. We was playing, and I was coaching third. And I remember he, he called timeout. And he looked at people in the stands, and you know, I was like, "What's wrong with Frazier?" And come to find out, it was calling him a, a, a nigger and everything. Jesus, man. Really? Yeah, like, and you know, their managers got those guys removed. But like, oh, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And dude, he had a grand yeah. slam. It was awesome. He had a grand slam return that just looked at him and then ran the first. Like I was like, man, that's like that was a Hank Aaron moment. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I said this brother is real. He can play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely like, looking forward to Frazier next year, man. That's hard to, to stay focused when you got that thrown at you. Oh, yeah. That's why I look yeah, at Hank bad. Aaron. Wow. How? You know, yeah. and if he if he can endure, I can endure it. And Jack, that's why I'm a big Negro League fan. And and you know, those guys talking about mental, what they went through. Yeah. And I, I just I don't want to get you know on a tangent, but it's it's real what we go through, and we try to try to protect the game and protect each other. Hey man, if you want to go on a tangent, go right on ahead. This is your show today, man. This, this <laughs> I'm just a host. You're 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 the you're the star here, man. Not me. I just I just figured he wants to get that. You point. know, like the fans, the fans are great, and you have those 
It's almost like I remember in during the pandemic, I was at my in-laws' house, and it was a bag of apples on the counter. My mother-in-law opened a bag of apples, and she's like, "Man, these apples done went bad." And this off opened the bag, and so she ended up looking in, in it carefully and removed one apple, and immediately none of the other apples were ruined. So that one one rotten egg or one rotten apple can spoil, look, make the whole bunch look spoiled. That's it, it's real, mm-hmm. you know. And when you have one group of fans acting all crazy, that that can ruin it for all the other great fans that really appreciate what these players do, and. You see that more than the the one, but those are the ones you don't forget. And I feel yeah. like sometimes there's always a few that mess up for all the other great fans that we have. I don't want to come across a match, but it's always a few that just go, go too far. Yeah. It takes a point. You know? and, and the stadiums do a good job removing those fans, but yeah. dude, like those players go out there and they play their hearts out. You know, even on their worst days, they're mm-hmm. giving all they got. And you know, I, I know true fans, they, they just appreciate good baseball. And, you know, they even bash on the big league guys. They, they think that big league guys get mistaken for, they make the game look easy because they so good. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, they ain't trying. Like, man, dude, they, they try. It's hard up there. They just so good at it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They, they, they give them too much effort. They just, they really good. They're that good. <laughs> <laughs> like guys like Mike Trout and Otani make it look so simple, yeah. but like it's a hard sport, man. It's it's not just sea ball hit ball. <laughs> it's a hard sport. It's yeah. a hard sport. They make they just make it easy. They like make it look easy. And, you know, I know fans appreciate both, but it's it's you should appreciate each because you see them mm-hmm. go through the development and finally become in the big leagues and and that's that's the beauty of the sport. Yeah, definitely gives some special moments, man. Um, Nola, you have any final uh, questions or words of wisdom for uh, we end the show here? No, I mean I guess just to kind of reiterate what Murph said. I'm just real glad you took the time to spend with us, share your stories. I'm looking forward to everybody hearing all these stories. They were awesome to hear, and I'm gonna listen to it again tomorrow morning when this comes out. Um, <laughs> Well, whoever's listening, man, I appreciate you taking time to listen to me and my country accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful I, accent. I'm passionate about what I, I I love all fast. I love what you guys do. Like, you guys are passionate about talking about us, you know? And we just in the minor league, so we was like, all right, somebody want to talk about me? All right, let's talk. But I, I enjoy, enjoy all facets, man. I appreciate everybody. I appreciate I'm just a grateful person. I really am, man. I mean it, and I try to show you more than I can say it. And I appreciate all the fans and what you do. You're taking your hard-earned money and going and paying and, and watching these players go play. And we appreciate it. You know, the game wouldn't be able to be the game if we didn't have the fans and the people that care about it and passionate about it. Absolutely. And man. I trust me. I'm a big fan of football and basketball, and I get mad, too. <laughs> But I won't say what what some of these fans say. Is that where I, I come in with the other question, Cody? Yeah, yeah, for the sure. secret question. Yeah, the secret question. <laughs> How you Good. feel about Devontae Adams going to the Raiders? I actually didn't know it till you said that. Wow, 
He's, they traded him to the Raiders, and he just signed like a what twenty eight and a half million, yeah, AAV contract. Yeah, man, crazy deals wow. going on. Yeah, Vegas just got a whole lot better. Yeah, they just got a whole lot better, dude. That's, that guy's the ultimate route runner, and when he's covered, he's still open. And yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be challenged. Who <laughs> 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 knows? He signed that three-year deal. He might might not make it today in that three. He might be like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Green Bay definitely screwed the pooch on that one. Um, yeah. But, Kyron, like, like we all said, we, we appreciate you coming on and – just uh, BSing with us and telling us your story. And, uh, you know, we look forward to 2022 and Altoona. Congratulations, by the way. I don't think we mentioned it yet, but uh, yeah, huge opportunity for you, man. And uh, yeah. it's been a blessing to have you. It, it's, it's, uh, I'm looking, so, appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the opportunity, man. It's the opportunity for us to continue to grow in the right direction. You know, yeah. got an awesome staff that I'm gonna get to work with and learn from, and you know, I learn from the players, man. Like they they teach me a lot, so I'm looking forward to growing with them, and uh, we're gonna have some fun, that's for sure. And we're gonna take care go. of that roller coaster in right uh, field. <laughs> take care of the roller coaster in right field. Take care of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bunch of bunch of home run balls. Hey man, I heard, I heard you have to get it good to get to the road coast. Make uh, O'Neill Cruz making it like a little league field. <laughs> but we'll do what we can. We'll do what we can, man. All right, man. Uh, I don't want to take up you know too much more of your time. So, with that being said, Kyron, like I said, we appreciate it. Much love, man. Blessing to have you on, and uh, I hope to reconnect sometime. You know, during the season. Likewise, man. Appreciate you guys having me, man. And keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep spreading the love of the game. And um, I appreciate what you do. And uh, looking forward to a great year in, in the Pirate Nation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another year of growth. That's it, baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, man. Later right. on. Appreciate you. Take it easy. Right. Well, boys and girls, that was Kyron Madison. Uh, I'd say a pretty damn good episode, boys. That that was, uh, I don't know, just his words of wisdom and, and the way he uses metaphors. It's just, it yeah, sticks yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. It sticks with you. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I, I knew what he was going to say in, in some questions, you know, because we connected before. But hearing them again, it's like you heard it for the first time. He has a way of words and it. I can see why players totally love care. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the the whole servant approach and, and like, you know, it's, it's his duty even 10 years down the road kind of thing that if one of his players needs some, like it, it's his job to, to do something about it. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome to hear. Nola, I'm surprised you didn't ask a gym question. I, I feel disappointed. Gym man. question? Yeah, I needed you. I needed you to show off those guns and ask some questions about picking them up and put them down. It is pirates. <laughs> but I, I, I have nothing but good things to say about that man. Like, Absolutely. you know, I, I'm really looking forward to you guys listening to this, and I know you're listening to this now, and you know, 
hit us up with uh, some favorite quotes of the podcast of what he said or, you know, favorite moments, anything like that. Because, uh, like I said, this was a very special guest. And I've been looking forward to this for about a month now. I, I was just too afraid to text because I didn't want to seem like an asshole and like someone who's too pushy. Is <laughs> blow someone's phone out like he did with Dion the other week. <laughs> he was saying goodbye to his mom. <laughs> like, God damn it. on you, Cody. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were being a real wedgie chalupa. Wedgie chalupa. It's an inside joke. You guys don't get it because you're not cool. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Um, but boys, like, uh, like I said in the beginning, baseball's back. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, minor league season's coming up. Kyra Madison's going to be managing double A. A lot of good names in double A. Looking forward to seeing what these kids do. Makes my trip down to Richmond that much more exciting. Yeah. And you get to see, uh, Quinn Priester, hopefully. I just know, like, so I'm, my mind's already process, like starting to process the fact that, like, i trying to think of someone who they would have other than him pitch opening day. And if they get on that same kind of rotation kind of thing, I know I'm probably going to miss him then at that point. But I just hope that, like, however his spring schedule works out, that, like, he just doesn't pitch the first two days of that series. Because... <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't think he, he he didn't open last year. I don't think nah, he he was usually well. I mean, like because they they shifted him around a little bit, but like I know he kind of settled in. Like usually, like Thursday, Friday. Yeah, he he would start. I think he had like a Saturday here and there. What's our, I want to say Tanaj opened up, and then Burrows, and then Quinn last year, maybe. I know it got a little bit loopy because uh, was it uh they they lost or Cruz got moved up quick pretty quickly yeah. and then um Braxton yeah. Ashcraft went down with that injury. Yeah, McCoy uh-huh. went up. Um yeah. So rotation got messed up a little bit here and there. But I, I know I know towards the end of the year, I think like Quinn was pitching towards the end of the week. So mm. hopefully that continues because I'm going through the, the Thursday through Sunday games. So I don't think they come anywhere near me. No, I would probably say no. Those this baby cakes, man. You missed the baby cakes. Yeah, if, only they, if only they would go to Biloxi so I could go see the Shuckers. <laughs> shuckers. <laughs> Some of these names, man, are just too goofy to even, like... That's why I love minor league baseball. Like, Trash Pandas? Like, that has to be my favorite absolutely. name. Yes, absolutely. Fucking Trash Pandas. Like, that's amazing. Like, great marketing. I'm getting a Trash Panda, getting a trash panda hat at some point. <laughs> Okay, is there so- are there sock puppets? Is there a sock puppet team, or is that indie ball? Because I seen their Twitter handle. I swear to God, there's like I mean, sock puppets. It's highly probable. Yeah. I mean, the, you the yeah, you can't pull anything out for a team name. No, absolutely not. Uh, Space Cowboys. That's pretty. Well, that that and then that, that uh, what is it? The Corpus Christi hooks that Whataburger hat. I still need to get one of those because those are fire. <laughs> you just need a whole collection at this point. The, the hunt, honey butter chicken biscuits. Oh, dude my uh, my cousin's husband has a uh, has one of those hats. He's got a chicken biscuit hat. All right, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, 
he he showed me this whole collection because uh he's in the marines and they were in uh mm-hmm. i think they were in korea and he was showing me all like the kbo hats uh that he got mm-hmm. when he was over there and uh oh, sweet yeah the kbo hats are pretty dope i was like I was real tempted to put it in my suitcase, one of them, and say, like, it just went missing. I don't have it. But that's just a dick move. I can't do that to him. Such a nice guy. <laughs> He's going to be making some pulled pork for the wedding. Looking forward to that. Ooh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, he's got a – well, I, he can't bring his smoker up, so we got to get a smoker. But it's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be good. Boys. Any uh, final thoughts or words before uh, we end this shindig? No. Let's get the season going. I can't wait. Tomorrow. I, I know. I know. Every, I know. Everyone's going to be listening to this on Friday, the first day where the the Pirates play the first game. But like, I just can't wait. I've already, I've already put it in my head that I'm gonna throw it on while I'm at work, and I'm just gonna ignore every customer that comes in. Yeah, I watched maybe two, three innings of the Red Sox and Twins today just because I, I had the urge. Oh, man, I just remembered something. How about Michael Feliz throwing the first pitch of baseball? <laughs> <laughs> the return for Derek Cole part of it. Mm. I just remembered it's St. Paddy's, and I got my St. Paddy's hat in the closet. I should have put that one on. You forgot your St. Paddy's hat on. Yeah, but the one I got that's autographed by uh, Gope, Bell, and Frazier. Man, All that would have been a nice hat. On the team. That would have been a nice hat. That's a nice hat. Especially. 2016, spring training? 2016 was such a long time ago. Three years after I graduated. Oh, God, now I'm thinking about high school. I don't want to do that. Shut up. Shut up, brain. Shut up. But uh, Murph, you big sexy son of a bitch. I forgot to play your theme song. Um, I need that in my life. (laughs) But guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We genuinely hope you enjoyed all the words of wisdom that Kyron had to say. Uh, great, great man. Uh, not just manager, great man. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, as usual, we're going to end it with giving our socials out. Uh, for me personally, uh, I'd like a follow on Twitter. It's at Murphanko, M-U-R-P-H-A-N-K-O. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram too. It's at Murphanko underscore experience. Uh, post some videos on there every once in a while. Uh, they're not stolen, I promise. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are my socials. Big Bear, give them socials. As always, give me a follow on Twitter at double underscore Murphy88. I have um, start, starting to get a little more groove posting the uh, YouTube videos. I know Cody usually does a good job posting the link in the in and whatever and uh it's also in my bio on the twitter page subscribe yes. all that kind of stuff please and if you sub- if enough people subscribe murph will finally add audio so <laughs> did you did if i'm not mistaken that travis swaggerty video had audio in it yeah 
Yeah, and it's I the only video that does. And I have no clue what I did different all the months ago when I did it. So I have no clue what I did to get audio in it. It's because enough. you need more people to subscribe, that's why. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely There's absolutely a magic true. number. There's it's a magic uh, number that if we hit. It's like the paywall on audio. P2. It's like the paywall on P2. Yeah. Exactly. You need to pay to hear. It's just plain and simple. Pay to hear. Mm-hmm. Buy you, Batty, Nola Jeffy. Give them socials mm-hmm. out, man. Uh, at Nola Jeffy, N O L A J E F F Y. I need to change it. more, but it, but it's still mostly just shit talking and sarcastic comments. You have been tweeting more, I've noticed. You yeah. get the. Do you wipe the dust off them old Twitter fingers and yeah, give it a whirl? I'm finally figuring out my old age. <laughs> Do I detect some gray in that beard? Oh yeah, actually, if you look closely, there's like three hairs right here. Ah, oh, yeah, I got I got quite a bit in here too. Silver fox. Mm, oh, mm, if I wasn't engaged, you'd be mine. <laughs> boys and girls that's gonna do it we love you very very much rate review subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast and most importantly boys let's say it together let's go let's go peace